1977, a respiratory therapist in Chicago was murdered in her apartment. Teresa Besa was found under a flaming mattress, a butcher knife buried deep in her chest. Some jewelry was missing from her body. The police attempted to track down the jewelry, but to no avail. They also failed in trying to link any of the suspects to the crime. But before we get any further, hello and welcome to the Murder House Radio Show. I am your host, X. On this show, we will be covering serial killers, killers, mass shooters, disappearances, true crime, and the most deplorable things and people in history. All that good dark stuff. The Murder House Radio Show will be a radio show slash podcast. I'll be uploading videos every Friday at 4pm Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are viewing on YouTube. And hit the follow button if you are listening on a podcasting platform. So sit down, get comfortable... Grab some coffee or whatever your preferred beverage is. Turn off the lights and enjoy the show. So today's broadcast will be about the dead woman who named her own killer, Teresa Bassa. Teresa Basta was born in the Philippines in 1929 and had moved to America in the 1960s to study music. She later became a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. Quiet and unassuming, she was one of the last people you'd expect to be the victims of such a crime. However, on 10 p.m. on the night of February 21st, 1977, the fire department was called to put out a fire in her apartment. In the blaze, they found her body under a burning mattress with a butcher knife embedded in her chest. Investigators believed that the fire had been set to cover up the crime. There was evidence that she was the victim of a sexual crime. The autopsy, however, determined that she had not been sexually assaulted. There seemed to be no apparent motive for the attack. Investigators could also find little physical evidence, as most had been destroyed in the inferno. One piece of evidence that was found, however, was a memo that stated, Get feeder tickets for A.S. The police looked into several leads, but they were all subsequently dismissed. They suspected that an A.S. that I mentioned may have been involved in the crime, but they did not know what the initials stood for. Her boyfriend, who she allegedly argued with, was considered a suspect as well. The case was first aired on April 25th, 1990. 
This case was one of the few profiled that had been solved prior to the to the broadcast. This case is a case that was solved paranormally, if you can believe that. Solved more than five months after Terrorista's murder, her co-worker Rembidila, Remy Chua, another native from the Philippines, and her husband Joe contacted Detective Joe Stachula, claiming to have information about her murder. Remy told Joe that shortly after she began having visions and dreams in which the victim appeared to her, begging her to go to the police and tell them what happened. One night, Remy took a nap at home. According to Joe, she began speaking in another voice. It said that she was terrorista. She told Joe that her killer's name was Alan Shorey. The voice claimed that he was an orderly that worked at the hospital. She urged Joe to go to the police. But when she woke up, she claimed to have no memory of what had happened. Joe decided he wouldn't go to the police, not at first. Then the voice possessed Remy again, asking Joe why he did not go to the police. He said that he had no evidence against Shory. The voice then told Joe that he had taken Teresa's jewelry after he murdered her and given it to his girlfriend. Detective Stachula did not know if he could trust this information or not. I wouldn't know either. That'd sound pretty crazy to me. But he decided to do a background check on Shory. He found that Shory lived close to Teresa. Teresa. Co-workers confirmed that he was planning to go to her apartment that night to repair her TV. The detective brought Shory in for questioning. He confirmed that he went to her apartment to repair the TV. He claimed that he did not have the tools to do so. He went back home. Sashula did not believe this. The detective then contacted Shory's girlfriend. He asked if Shory had given her any jewelry recently. And she said that he had. She did agree to let Teresa's friend and family inspect the jewelry. They confirmed that some of it was Teresa's. Confronted with the evidence, short he confessed to the murder. He said that after he left her apartment, he made a plan to return and rob her. When he returned, he said that she let him back in. When she went to go lock the door, he grabbed her from behind and attacked her. He disrobed her to make it look like a sexual crime. He then took her mattress, placed it on her body, and set it on fire. Despite the confession, he pleaded not guilty to the murder. A mistrial occurred. He decided to plead guilty on the 23rd of February, 1979, receiving only 14 years for his actions.
for his cold-blooded crime. He was released on parole in 1983. There have been numerous TV adaptations on this case. It's definitely an interesting case. There's even been some books on it. It's definitely an interesting case. One TV adaptation is Voice from the Grave. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. Do you guys believe in supernatural stuff? I do. Like, uh, I guess I'm a spiritual person or whatnot. I believe in uh, that type of stuff. It's definitely interesting. Very interesting stuff. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know if I missed anything uh, down in the comments below. But yeah, I'm just hopping back into this sec second episode back. So, you know, stay tuned for more and all that. But yeah, anyway, what do you guys think about a dead person coming back from the dead and possessing one of their friends or co-workers and telling them who murdered someone? That's crazy. Like, could you even use that as a detective or whatever, like he did to, uh, you know, talk to a person, or, um, bring them in, or whatnot, that's crazy, like, you could claim that, it was wild, it's definitely wild, I would not know what to say if I was the detective, but yeah, holy, a nice short one for you guys, so that is the case of Trista Bassa. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Murder House Radio Show. I hope you have a good rest of your Friday, or whenever you are listening to this. Check out the social medias and the sources in the description below. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are listening on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, hit follow. Leave your suggestions for future episodes in the comments. See you next episode. This is your host X, signing off.